Hey, welcome to Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nemec of the Oregonian and Oregon Live, bringing you the latest in recruiting for the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon High School Athletics. This week, that opening is a little bit of a misnomer because we are going to focus quite heavily on the Oregon Ducks. There's a lot going on, and I think there are a lot of fans who might be uh, hitting the panic button or certainly are very concerned about what's going on with this Oregon Duck recruiting class. If you haven't been paying attention, Oregon lost two commitments in the past week. Nicholas Anderson, the Under Armour All-American wide receiver out of Texas, flipped to Oklahoma just a couple of days later. They have another D commitment, Isaiah Satanga, the Arkansas wide receiver who has skyrocketed up the rankings. I mean, there was a time when this kid was a low four-star prospect. Now he's knocking on the door of the top 100 prospects in America, uh, leading the state of Arkansas in receiving yards. He's a blazing fast athlete, and as good as he is in football, one of the top 140 kids in the country, he's one of the top five or six, I think. Uh, track and field recruits in the entire country. So a bigger blow even for Oregon track and field. And then I reported today, it's been out there, but Banks himself uh, confirmed it with me this morning. He is visiting Texas A&M this weekend for their big weekend. That's a weekend that Walter Nolan is also making a trip to Texas A&M. He's the number two prospect in America, a defensive lineman. They're making this a big weekend. He's already taken an official visit there, so this is an unofficial visit. He's paying his own way. He's obviously from Texas, but it's still a big deal. Five-star offensive lineman, the number 14 player in the country, the unquestioned headliner of Oregon's recruiting class. Not only is he visiting Texas A&M this weekend, but also looking at taking a visit to Texas and I'm telling you, it is a very real recruiting battle at this point. He's committed to Oregon. He's not committed to Oregon just in name only. Oregon has a lead right now, but it is not a healthy lead. It is not a comfortable lead. It is a lead that is dwindling, and it is a lead that he is considering possibly removing if his visit to Texas A&M or Texas go very well. And this really emphasizes something that... I think people have forgotten and and what gets lost in the shuffle in Oregon recruiting outside the region really well for the last, well, the last recruiting cycle really, but kind of over the course of Mario Cristobal's tenure, when you recruit outside your region, it is harder to hang on to those guys. And I've talked about that a number of times and and the reasons are pretty self-explanatory. Everyone in your circle in high school roots for, gets accepted into colleges from the schools that are around you. People are all watching the Texas, Texas A&M games where Kelvin Banks is from. Oregon is not part of the normal conversation for most of his teammates, for most of his friends, for most of the teachers at his school, for his family. There's a whole circle of people who are Texas people. So they watch Texas football and Texas A&M and Baylor and Texas Tech. And that's who they focus on. That's who they talk about every week. And again, the biggest thing is that's a lot of who his friends are getting admitted to when they're normal students. I'm going to go to school. A lot of his friends are likely when they're going to college going to Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech and Baylor. So all the conversation around you is about everybody in your world, everybody in your circle, everybody in your atmosphere going to the schools that are local. And then you have Texas A&M beat Alabama, and then the pressure kind of gets cranked up because you got people telling you you should go there. 
We've also seen it with Isaiah Satanga. He just wants to stay closer to home. Arkansas, close to home. Good track and field program. It's a lot of, there's a lot of it that makes sense there. Nicholas Anderson going to Oklahoma and, and whether he wants to stay close to home or you look at it and say, let's look at offensive productivity. Right now, if you're a wide receiver and you look at Oregon's passing game this year, I think Devin Williams is still the leading receiver in this Oregon offense, and he's under 300 yards for the season. They have a few receivers that are in that 200 to 300 range, but those numbers do not an All-American make. And then you look at Oklahoma with Caleb Williams really playing well, and you know the future of the quarterback position at that program, and they're a high-octane offense, that they're going to get their lead receiver. They're going to find a way to get their receiver seven, eight, nine hundred yards in a season, if not break the 1,000-yard mark. So there's some things working against Oregon right now in the recruiting trail, and really for the first time in quite some time, we're seeing kind of a, in air quotes here, a bad week for the Ducks. They've lost two commitments. Kelvin Banks is visiting other schools. I reported on this podcast that both Cyrus Moss, a borderline five-star recruit, and five-star offensive lineman Josh Connerly Jr. were set to visit Oregon last weekend. Those two guys didn't make the trip. Cyrus Moss, who in his circle had confirmed he was making the trip, ends up going to Arizona State instead. That may end up working out nicely for the Ducks. Arizona State played terrible and lost coming out of a bye week. Just an embarrassing performance. I can't imagine Cyrus Moss felt great about that performance. But Josh Connerly is concerning, and Oregon may have a shot. But when I talked to Josh, I had him on the radio show, my radio show, And we'd all talked about the fact that he was going to visit. I taped the pod. He came on the radio show and on the radio show live on the air was like, I might not be visiting Oregon. I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, but if I don't go, I'll go for the the game formerly known as the Civil War. Well, then I text him the next morning and said, hey, just making sure this is Saturday morning, just making sure you're not coming this weekend because uh, you had said you you might, you might not. Then you kind of landed on you weren't. So making sure you didn't change plans and you're coming. And he said, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going to Oregon this weekend and I might not go for the Civil War now either. And I said, are you coming at all? And he said, I don't know. That does not sound like Oregon's trending in the right direction. If you're looking for a roadmap for Josh Connerly Jr. to kind of turn this thing around and and maybe get another blue chip recruit, I think the roadmap is Michigan falls off. Michigan's his leader. Michigan's his favorite. He's not going to go to Washington. They've had too many problems. I think it's still possible. It's just very unlikely. Michigan's the favorite. So if Michigan has a really bad end to their season, I could see a scenario if Jim Harbaugh, for sure, if Jim Harbaugh gets fired, if they have a really bad end and Jim Harbaugh gets kicked to the curb, there's your opening where now Connerly's looking at other options. But right now, Michigan in the driver's seat and Connerly may not visit. Two D commitments from key wide receivers. Uh, you got Kelvin Banks visiting other schools. There, there's some, There's some not good stuff going on. So what's the good news? Well, the good news is I think Oregon still has a really good shot at Cyrus Moss. And then you look at that receiver room, and this is coming off a recruiting cycle. They landed Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton Jr., Isaiah Brevard, and Chris Hudson, all blue-chip wide receivers, four freshman blue-chip wide receivers. And then in this recruiting cycle, they got Texas product Steven Johnson. He's a three-star prospect, but looked great at Oregon Saturday Night Live camp. Looked like a four-star prospect for sure. A nice get for Oregon. 
They also had Satanga, who is now decommitted. They had Nicholas Anderson, who's now decommitted. And they have T-Mac, who's a borderline five-star receiver and is really the true standout of this receiver class. But go back eight days ago, that would mean they'd have eight true sophomore redshirt freshmen or freshman wide receivers on the roster this, this next season. That's too many. It's okay to have a couple of decommitments. So I, I kind of think that the idea, and that the, I've seen this on social media a ton, Oregon is essentially trading Nicholas Anderson and Isaiah Satanga for five-star wide receiver Kevin Coleman Jr. and All-American Bowl selection Westview High School wide receiver Darius Clemens. Not only do I think that might not be the best thing for the program because you have a logjam at receiver and maybe guys aren't happy with reps and somebody ends up leaving, but also, I think it's very, very presumptuous to just assume now, well, Oregon lost two receivers, so they must be getting Darius Clemens and Kevin Coleman Jr. I've predicted they get Darius Clemens. I That math makes sense to me. He visited last weekend. Sounds like he had a great visit. Coming off that visit, Nicholas Anderson decommits. Interesting. I could very easily see a scenario where unofficially Oregon essentially trades in Nicholas Anderson for Darius Clemens. That in the end, that's the swap. You think I'm crazy? Guess who liked that tweet when I posted on social media? Darius Clemens, who also liked a story predicting him to choose Oregon. That's, I mean, you can go look at his likes on Twitter and you'll find that. Darius Clemens is hinting very seriously, it looks like, that he's going to Oregon. Not only that, but when uh, Nicholas Anderson decommitted, he immediately tweeted the plot thickens on Twitter. So he's having some fun on social media, but it looks like they will replace Nicholas Anderson with Darius Clemens. Let's take a quick break, then we'll be back with more of The Recruiting Trail with Andrew Nemec. The other spot is different. Isaiah Satanga, not only a great receiver who's a vertical threat, one of the fastest players in the country, can really stretch the field. His stock is skyrocketing, and he's a phenomenal track and field recruit. That is a mon- that's a five-star track and field recruit, no question, and a very good football player. I don't think Oregon's real happy to have lost Isaiah Satanga. I think that one really bothers him. And I don't think the whole Kevin Coleman is going to Oregon thing is a slam dunk. I know there are places where you can find that that's a, a done deal, or at least that, that it, not that it's a done deal, but that Oregon is very much in the mix, not a done deal, but that it's like, that's the way this is going to go kind of thing. I don't see it that way. Oregon, I think, will end up getting a bit visit from Kevin Coleman Jr., but we've seen this. Recruiting out of the region is just tough, and the more pressure you have on those kids the more possible it becomes that they flip or they choose somewhere else. Kevin Coleman Jr. has said all the right things. The last time I talked to him, he told me Oregon was his dream school growing up, that he wanted to be like DeAnthony Thomas. Those are wonderful things. They are. But he's been pretty enamored with the recruiting process. And I think there are probably a lot of schools that feel like they've got a pretty good shot with Kevin Coleman Jr. I would guess there are a handful of schools who feel pretty good about their shot based on what he said to them. So they might get him. Mario Cristobal is a great recruiter. They've got a shot. But it's not a done deal. And it's not even close to a done deal. It's going to be tough. 
So is this a panic time if you're an Oregon fan? Are you going, holy cow, what happened to this recruiting class? Two decommitments, Kelvin Banks visiting somewhere else, Darius Clemens we 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 might get. Again, if you're an Oregon fan, this is I'm talking for you, that's the we. Uh, we might get Cyrus Moss, but he didn't visit. Josh Connerly might not visit. What's going on? What are we going to do? Well, go back to the very beginning of this recruiting cycle. If you listen to this podcast, if you listen to the radio show, if you listen to or you read my work on Oregon Live, I predicted this would not be anywhere near Oregon's best recruiting class, that things were going to trend down at the end of this class. They were seventh in the nation, multiple places I wrote and said, they will not finish seventh. That is not going to happen unless they really, really surprise some people. Unless they can land Kevin Coleman Jr., Cyrus Moss, Josh Connerly, hang on to Kevin Banks, land Darius Clemens. That's a lot of connecting the dots to put them probably right around 6th or 7th. The West Coast is down. It's harder to recruit outside your region. When you do, and you have a number of them, not one or two, but you have six, seven, eight, you're going to lose a handful of them. It just happens. It's what happens. Because of the pressure within those athletes' communities to suddenly, as they get to close to signing day, as they get close to graduation, all their friends are going to Texas. Not just their, not just their you know, football-playing friends, but their, their friends that don't play football. I'm going to be a student at Texas. I'm going to be a student at Texas A&M. Mom and dad, we want to be able to drive to your games. Flying to Eugene every week is tough. That's not going to be every kid. There's going to be a couple of kids that happens to So you had to expect that this was going to happen. And you look at what Oregon's facing in the West Coast, and the West Coast just is a little bit down this year. So it made sense. They were going to have to go outside the region, and it made sense to bolster Texas, especially with Sarkeesian flexing his muscles at Texas, saying he was going to move into the West Coast territory. You forced him to use a lot of his resources trying to keep talent at home. Because you pushed him so hard early in the cycle. He didn't have time to kind of halfway do Texas. He had to full do Texas instead of worried about the West Coast quite as much. Because Oregon put so much pressure and landed so many good players out of Texas really early in the recruiting cycle. But I said this from the beginning. This is not going to be Oregon's best recruiting class. It might be Mario's fourth best recruiting class at Oregon. And that's still really, really good. Prior to Mario Cristobal being the head coach. Oregon had never finished with the number one recruiting class in the Pac-12. They've done it three straight years, and they still have a very good shot to do it a fourth year. And they might do it a fourth year and finish 12th nationally. There may be Oregon fans who'd be disappointed in that. There might be Oregon fans who say, we expect top five to seven recruiting classes now, every year. Maybe. But in a year where the West Coast is really down, the West region talent's down, there's not as many great kids in Oregon, there's not as many good kids in Washington as there's been, California's not as good as it usually is, they're just not as deep, maybe it's forgivable. Or at least it's understandable. Now say Oregon does get Darius Clemens, their receiving core for the next few years is Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton Jr., Chris Hudson, Isaiah Brevard, all blue chip prospects. Brevard, Franklin, Thornton are all Americans. You bring in T-Mac and Darius Clemens, all Americans, and you bolster Texas with a good receiver, an underrated player in Steven Johnson. That's a really good haul at receiver. That's a really good haul at receiver. You could make a strong argument that Oregon's brightest future at any position 
is the wide receiver position, even after losing two commitments this week. So no, it is not time to hit the panic button. But it might be time to take a step back and understand where things are at. Oregon has 20 commitments. Their class is eighth in the country. They really are in a dogfight to hang on to Kelvin Banks. A big-time dogfight to hang on to Kelvin Banks. That is far, far from over. They're in it for Cyrus Moss. They've probably been the leader for Cyrus Moss for six months. They should be able to close that. They should be able to get Darius Clemens. It certainly looks that way. The wild cards are what happens if Michigan struggles and Connerly reconsiders his love of Michigan. The wild card is what happens if Kevin Coleman Jr. takes a visit to Oregon and falls in love. Those are wild cards. Keontae Scott, number one junior college corner in the country, took his visit to Oregon, had a good time. They've got a shot there. So there's still a roadmap to a very, very good recruiting class because it's already a very, very good recruiting class. But the pathways, I feel like you know the big board for on a, on the electoral college night where we start doing like the pathways to you know a Trump win or the pathways to a Biden victory uh, are growing you know either bigger or smaller. Here's what has to happen. I feel like that's kind of what I'm looking at right now in recruiting. So they keep Kelvin Banks, they land Darius Clemens, they land Kevin Coleman Jr., they land this guy. The pathways to finishing with the top five, top six recruiting class nationally are dwindling. The percentage likelihood that that happens is smaller than it was a week ago. And strangely, that's the case less so because they lost Nicholas Anderson and Isaiah Satanga and more that Josh Connerly is talking about possibly not visiting. That Kelvin Banks is now visiting other programs. Your big ticket, big time talents might be looking at other programs. That's where... Oregon's actually should be a little bit more concerned about their recruiting class. I don't think Oregon's den, done with the commitments. And I think there are a couple of guys in this class that I think very strongly you could look at it. If they decommit, you could very easily look at it, very strongly feel inside. It's likely Oregon cut bait there. I know not everybody loves watching film. That's not everybody's deal. But there are some senior films from some of these Oregon commits on the lower end of the recruiting spectrum, on the lower end of the star rating, that would concern me. That I would say, okay, yes, maybe they were a four-star prospect when they were 16. Now they look like a two- or three-star guy. There are a few of those. There are. I even think, I, I think, I don't know, I think Oregon knows it. I imagine Oregon knows it. They know way more than I do. And I'm not the only one that thinks that. I've watched the film and then asked around and been like, hey, what's going on here? And it's like, yeah, he took a major step back. He took two or three steps back. And there's more than one of those. So Oregon might have more decommitments, and it might actually be okay, depending on who it is. So if they lose a couple more guys and they're able to add Keontae Scott, which is not by any means a done deal, they're able to add Cyrus Moss, pretty good shot there. They're able to add Darius Clemens, good shot there likely shot there they're able to add kevin coleman that's i'd say like 30 percent they're able to interest connerly i think that's like 15 to 20 percent but it can happen that's one in five times and they're able to hang on to banks and i think that's 50 50 then that's a good recruiting class but multiply all those percentages that's the chance oregon has to finish with a top five class the math's just not there <laughs> 
Next year, very exciting. Next year is going to be really good. This year, some question marks. And not, I think, where people thought they'd be. I think there are a lot of folks who thought at this point in the year, Oregon, the same week Oregon is fourth in the nation and makes the college football playoff is the same week they have two decommitments from blue chip wide receivers and the headliner of their recruiting class is talking about visiting Texas A&M in Texas. The season doesn't really align with the storyline in recruiting. You're like, hey, things are great for the program. What the heck's going on in recruiting? Recruits don't totally pay attention to current results. That's another that's another you know trope that I've tried to hammer down and talk about and and push away that people think when you have a great year that your recruiting class is likely more stable. If you have a bad year, you your coaches might be gone and then your recruiting class is unstable. But if you are a good football program and you're having a good year, that doesn't necessarily mean kids are going, hey, Oregon's fourth. I'm definitely going there. It doesn't work like that. It might for 2023s when you're like, well, why? Why would it be that way? Because those guys are talking about taking their 10 to 15 trips starting in the spring to whittle down who they're interested in. So when you hear from 75 really good 2023 prospects, Oregon's having a great year. I want to check them out this spring. You can do the math and say, well, there's a chance they get roughly 15% of those guys if they host 75 really good players. If the interest level is 10, well, that means they only get like one or two. If the interest level is 70 or 80, they're probably going to get 12 to 15 of those guys. And that's the math I'm doing when I go ahead and say early, man, 2023 is going to be great because there are tons, tons of athletes nationally saying, I have to go check out Oregon. That doesn't mean I'm projecting each one of those kids. It's just a math equation. For every kid that visits Oregon, there's roughly 10 to 15% chance they commit in the end. It's just kind of the way it works. So if a, you know, five dozen elite recruits want to visit Oregon, they've got a good chance at a great recruiting class. But if early on I'm only hearing from 10 guys they're interested in visiting Oregon, they're probably not. That's the math I did for 2022. I heard from a lot of California kids they wanted to visit Oregon. Unfortunately, most of the California kids I heard from weren't great. So Oregon was going to have to leave the region. What happens when you leave the region? There's more decommitments. We are seeing exactly what tends to happen. Don't read into this like what's going on behind the scenes with Oregon. Don't read into this something's wrong. This is just following the math. There are more decommitments outside the region, percentage-wise, in recruiting. Oregon has more a higher percentage of outside the region recruits and commitments this year. They're having more decommitments suddenly. It happens. It happens. So I think 2023 is going to be phenomenal. I think the 2022 kids aren't particularly super worried about Oregon being number four right now. I don't think that's how that works. So I don't necessarily think you can say, well, gosh, if Oregon makes the college football playoff, Kelvin Banks is definitely sticking around. doesn't work like that. Oregon's got a shot there. Obviously, he's committed. But there's also a shot he goes the other way. That is one to watch, and I think that's far more disconcerting. That's far more worrisome than losing Anderson and Satanga. You could afford to lose both those guys and you still feel great about the future of your recruiting hall at receiver, especially given that they're supposed to get Darius Clemens. But with Kingsley Suamataia leaving, by the way, recently visited BYU, BYU probably the team to beat there. And then Banks now looking around and Connerly not visiting. 
the elite blue chip talent along your offensive line and an offensive tackle doesn't seem as sure as it did a week and a half ago, two, three weeks ago. That's more alarming. That's the thing to watch. Thank you for listening to The Recruiting Trail. I'm Andrew Nimick of The Oregonian and Oregon Live. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I keep saying it. We talk about five-star prospects all the time. So it feels like we should keep that five-star theme intact. Leave us a five-star review. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you.